So today, would you turn to Psalm 119, if you have your Bibles here with you. And we're continuing our series, It Is Written, and it's taking a look at the Bible and the role that Scripture plays in our lives as believers. When I was a kid, I remember one, it was one, it was one fall, and we were driving, and I saw this row of sunflowers. And as a kid, it spoke to me, and I was enamored with these giant flowers and the big heads that were you know, wilting down and all the seeds that were inside of them. And I got a vision. I said, Mom, I want to have sunflowers next year. I want to have what this person has in their yard. Because when you're a kid and the flower's three times as tall as you, that's just a really cool thing. Mom says, okay. And so I'm waiting, and there's no sunflowers. I'm like, Mom, what about the sunflowers? She's like, well, we, we don't get to harvest sunflowers yet. We have to, that'll be next year. You can't just get it immediately. There's a time and a process involved with getting a row of sunflowers in your garden. So I wait, and the next spring, I, you know, I'd forgotten about it by this point that I ever even wanted sunflowers. And my mom comes home one day, and she has a little package of sunflower seeds and a trowel. And I'm like, what's this, Mom? And she says, you wanted sunflowers? Well, we got some sunflower seeds and a trowel. And I'm like, Mom, I wanted sunflowers, not sunflower seeds. Uh, this is not what I was asking for. And she tries to explain to me that you don't get sunflowers unless you start out with sunflower seeds and you plant those. So I'm like, all right, what's the trowel for? And she's like, well, you got to do some work and dig. And I'm like, oh, man, this is not how I imagine this playing out. I just want the end result. I don't want to go through the process that it takes to get these sunflowers. So my mom goes out there, and we're in the garden, and we plant, we, we dig the little hole, and we put the seed inside of it, we water it, and I sit there and I wait. And there's no sunflowers. And I'm thinking, this is backwards progress. At least before I had a seed, now I don't have anything. I took the seed and I buried it in the ground. There was no, I'm not any closer to a sunflower. In fact, it looks like I have less sunflower than I had before. And my mom says, you just have to wait. It's going to grow, trust me. So every day I go out there and I'm looking at the barren earth in the garden and I see nothing. And I go out there the next day and once again, there is nothing. And again the next day, and still there is nothing. And I'm like, Mom, these seeds were no good. They're junk seeds. Something is clearly wrong because we still don't have sunflowers. And she keeps trying to explain to me, no, it's a process. There will be sunflowers. You have to be patient. Well, what I didn't understand was that underneath the soil, going on beyond, beyond my sight, there was life that was taking place. The process of germination was occurring. Roots were being established and growing down. Before it could grow up, it first had to put roots down deep into the ground, and then it began to grow up. And I ended up forgetting about it. I completely, you know, a kid's attention span is about three days max. So I forgot that I'd even planted the flowers, and I stopped going out there. And one day my mom says, Jeremy, come look. And I come and I look. She's like, the sunflowers. And I look, and there's this little tiny green sprout sticking through the ground. Mom, those are not sunflowers. Do you remember what the sunflowers look like? This is clearly not a sunflower. And she's like, no, this is the beginning of it. It's going to grow into it. And sure enough, she was right. I watched every day I'd go out there, and you would see there would be a little bit of growth and just kept getting taller and taller and taller. And then finally, in the fall, I had these massive, towering sunflowers that were over me, and they were hanging down. And I remember taking the heads off of them and getting all the seeds out, and there were hundreds of sunflower seeds inside of them they were able to then take and to use for the next year to plant even more sunflowers. Now, for me, it was a big learning process, understanding that for me to get the sunflowers, I had to go through a process. I had a vision, but for that vision to become a reality inside of my life, I had to first take 
the seed and plant it in the ground because you don't get sunflowers without a sunflower seed. Now, we as Christians, we're a people that are filled with vision. I think we're bigger visionaries and dreamers than most people. Because when you had an encounter with God where you decided, I'm going to surrender my life to Jesus, I put my faith and my trust in him for my salvation, for the forgiveness of my sins, and now I'm going to spend the rest of my life searching after God, seeking him out, and being obediently faithful to all the things that he's called me to do, you also had a vision for the people that you were going to reach. You had a vision for the things that you were going to do for God. None of us made a decision to follow Jesus and said, now I hope I make no impact on the world around me. Every one of us, we all wanted to be the next Billy Graham. We wanted to be the next Mother Teresa, whoever your hero in the faith is. You had vision for your life making that kind of an impact for the kingdom of God. For me, it was Billy Graham. I wanted to be Billy Graham and Mother Teresa combined. I was going to have orphanages and lead millions of people to Jesus. And so I thought, well, I'll start on the Billy Graham part first because that seems a lot more fun. And I actually remember looking at him and I listened to him on uh, like cassette tapes back in the day preaching. And so I wrote out my own little sermon. I'm like, okay, I'm going to reach thousands of people with the good news of Jesus. I'm going to have a great impact on the kingdom. I'm going to do you know, magnificent things for God. The God who loves me so much, I love him and I want to do things for him. I want my life to really matter spiritually. And so I, I copied his sermon verbatim. I mean, I, I wrote down all of his stories and was going to use them like they were my own. So people are thinking, why is this you know, like 12-year-old kid talking about hanging out at retirement homes? You know? <laughs> but I was like, this guy, what he's doing, he's got some kind of a formula that he's using that is producing this incredible fruit inside of his life. And so I practiced getting his mannerisms and telling, I I was just trying to copy Billy Graham because I thought, if I do what he's doing, I'm going to have the results that he has. And I found out that that is not the case. I was able to lead, even in my teen years, I was able to lead hundreds of people to Jesus. But it wasn't like what Billy Graham was doing. And so I started to become frustrated because I wasn't, I was doing the things that Billy was doing, but I wasn't seeing the things happen in my life that you were seeing happening in Billy's life. And I started thinking, what am I doing wrong? And it became a frustration for me. And then eventually I started giving up on the hope of that ever being a reality inside of my life. And then one day I had this realization. And God spoke to me as I was trying to figure out why it was that my life wasn't having the kind of impact that I saw in other people's lives. And God spoke to me and he said that the reason that Billy Graham is doing great things for the kingdom is because I have first done something great in him. People who do great things in the kingdom of God do great things because God has first done something great inside of their lives. And now the great things that they do in the kingdom is just the overflow of what God is already doing. You see, it wasn't about the system, it wasn't about the formula, it wasn't about the structure, and those are all good things that we need, but those in themselves will not produce the fruit. Ian Bounds said this, that men are always looking for better systems, but God is looking for better men. This is what we have to understand. Every one of us has a vision for doing something great for the kingdom. If you're a Christian, that's a desire that is now inside of you because it says that the Holy Spirit gives us the will and the ability to live a life that's pleasing to God. We love God. We want to live the life that's pleasing to him. Anybody that you love, you want to serve them. You want to do things that will please them and bring them glory and honor. And so that's just the natural overflow of what God's already done inside of us. But if we want to be people who do truly great things in the kingdom, 
It's not going to be about copying what someone else has done. It's not going to be about the systems or the structures and the methods that we can create ourselves. It's going to be about allowing God to first do something great inside of us. And then the great things that we are going to do are going to be the natural overflow of the result of a changed heart by the power of God inside of every one of us. And it's a process. Just like planting the sunflower seeds in the ground produced a sunflower, for us to have a life that has been greatly changed by God, that has an overflow of a godly life producing fruit inside of us, it means that there has to be a seed that's been planted inside of us by God. And that seed is the word of God. The reason that you first came to Jesus was because of the fact that God spoke to you and it began to produce fruit immediately inside of your life. And the way that you're going to continue to be changed into God's likeness to live a life that is godly is by continuing to put more seeds of God's word inside of you. And if you don't do that, you don't get the godly life and the godly fruit in your life if you don't first have the godly seed that's been planted down inside of your heart. So I know you guys, we all have vision, and I think this morning this is going to help us move towards the vision, but first we have to embrace the process of how God produces godly character inside of us, how it is that God changes us, and it begins with us taking that seed and planting it in the ground. And here's the way that we do that. I love this, what God has to say about it. In Psalm 119, and it's David, and he's talking about this very process himself of wanting to live a godly life. And he says in Psalm 119, we'll just read it from the beginning to the end. There we go, a couple people got that. It's a long one. (laughs) In verses 8 through 13, it says, How can a young person stay pure? By obeying your word. I have tried hard to find you. Don't let me wander from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I praise you, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. I have recited aloud all the regulations you have given me. I have rejoiced in your laws as much as in riches. I will study your commandments and reflect on your ways. I will delight in your decrees and not forget your words. See, David is someone that has a vision in mind. He wants to live a life that is pure and pleasing to God. He wants to live a life that instead of being in bondage to sin, has freedom from sin. And he, has, he recognizes that is not going to happen naturally. The natural result of my life is not going to be I'm just following Jesus and all of his commands and living a sin-free life. Again, remember, uh, he's in a unique position. He's young. He's beautiful. It says that he was a good-looking guy. He's rich. He's famous. He's king. That is not a good combination for living a pure life. He has every trapping that this world has to offer you all on him. And he recognizes and says, the only way that I'm going to be, over, to be able to overcome this, the temptations that I face, the only way I'm going to live a life that is godly and pleasing to God and bearing godly fruit inside of my life is if I take and I hide God's word inside of my heart. Amen. If I meditate on all that he says. He says, I'm going to recite your scripture aloud. I'm going to rejoice in your scripture as one rejoices in riches, even more than riches. Now, if someone showed up and gave you a million dollars, that'd be a good day, wouldn't it? Would you guys be rejoicing? How much do you rejoice when you pick up your Bible? I, and I, I admit, I'm, I'm the biggest hypocrite of all. I'll call myself out on that. I love my Bibles. If you give me a million dollar check and say, you want the Bible or the million dollars? I'll be like, I can buy a lot of Bibles with a million dollars. So that's my justification. 
But he's saying, I want to be to the point of where I love and I rejoice in everything that you say. And the reason for that, again, is because he has a vision for the life that he wants to live out, the reality that he wants to see in his life, and he knows that for me to get to that point, there is a process that I have to go through. I have to hide the word of God inside of my life. And if we don't do that, we're not going to ever see the fulfillment of that vision of living a godly life that is producing godly fruit inside of us. We will fall into every temptation. We will get discouraged by how enormous the call on our life is. We will grow frustrated with the process of it and the time that's involved. But if we decide that we're going to allow the word of God to be something that we treasure, something that we cherish, and something that we make a part of our very heart, then your life is going to be changed. You will live a godly life. It might not happen overnight, but you will live a godly life. And David, as we know through scripture, he didn't always live out his vision for his life. He was as fallen and broken of a person as there was. He uh, had you know, an adulterous affair and then killed the woman's husband to try to cover it up. I mean, that is messed up stuff. Yep. David was a messed up guy. But it says that he was a man who had a heart like God's. That's what God says of David. He has a heart like mine. So even though he fell, even though he sinned greatly, because he had hidden the word of God inside of his heart, he was able to come to the place of where he was repentant, and that repentance is a part of the fruit of a godly life inside of him. And he wasn't disqualified from the life God had called him to, but he was able to continue and to move forward into it despite his shortcomings, despite his sin and his failures. But had he not hidden the word of God inside of his heart, when he came up against that failure, he would have been destroyed. There would have been nothing left to hold him and to keep him continuing down that path. We have to hide the word of God inside of our life. So if you want to live a life that is bearing godly fruit inside of you, here are three things that you have to do. And the first one is that you have to have good seed. Now, things grow in gardens. Have you noticed that? It just happens. Now, Ann and I, I remember when we, it was actually when we moved into the house we're in now and we moved over here from the Kalamazoo area to plant the church and we had a garden, and, you know, at our old house before, our garden was always terrible. So we thought, this is a new chance to start over. We're in a neighborhood now, so we're going to have the best lawn. I'm going to be that guy. I'm going to have, like, the cross patterns, like, you know, for mowing. I'm going to have the beautifully edged sidewalk. People that have been to my house are laughing right now. But I thought, and we're going to plant flowers. And so I remember we got these seeds and we planted it in our garden. And there's the little picture of what it's going to look like on the package. I'm like, yeah, it's a beautiful red flower. We're going to plant that right out front. So everybody comes in and they're impressed by us. And so we plant this seed in there. And I know you got to wait a couple weeks for it. You know, the germination's happening. I've learned that from my mom. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, got these seeds in the ground. We've been watering them, taking good care of them. Then you see it poke through the ground. I'm like, Anna, come look. Look at that, our flower, it's growing. The red flower is growing. And we keep watering it, and we're weeding it, fertilizing it, and it's growing and growing. And it starts not looking exactly like we'd imagined it. I mean, it's growing way, I mean, way too fast. The flower's supposed to be about that big. This flower's like this big. <laughs> we start wondering, like, what's going on here? We must be gardening geniuses. Look how good we are at this. And then I remember the day that there's little blooms on it. You can see or the buds. And we're like, oh, it's going to open up any minute now, Anna. Come look. We're so excited about this. And then I remember one day walking out there, and it's opened up. And it's not a red flower. It's a purple flower. I'm like, what is this? 
And why are all these nasty bugs all over it? And Anna's like, maybe we planted the wrong thing. I'm like, no, we planted, this is the right thing here. And I remember getting on my phone and getting an app so I could take a picture of it and it told me what it was and it was a weed. I was like, oh, you gotta be kidding me. I've been watering and fertilizing and caring for this weed that's been growing inside of my garden. It was growing, but I put the wrong seed in there. Somehow something happened and it, and it dropped all of these buds almost instantly. It's like the flower died the same day it came out and dropped seeds all over and they all started growing up. And so I, I put so much time and effort and attention into caring for this weed that ended up destroying my entire garden. And I don't even care about my lawn anymore. I'm just going to burn it someday and put rocks in there. <laughs> but seeds grow. And there is no soil in all of this world that's as fertile as the human heart. Whatever you plant in your heart is going to grow and it is going to produce fruit. What are you planting inside of your heart? Are you planting the word of God in it, which is going to produce a godly life and godly fruit? Or are there weeds inside of your heart that are growing? Whether you planted those purposely, whether someone else planted those weeds inside of your heart through things that have happened to you, generational curses, family things that have been going on, or maybe even there's been something that's growing inside of your heart that you thought was good, and now when you see the fruit of it, you recognize this is a weed. We need to make sure that everything that we're planting inside of our hearts is a good seed. Because whatever is planted absolutely will grow. It will produce fruit. And it will actually reproduce itself inside of your life. And you guys have seen that. Whatever it is that you struggle with, whether it's you know, pride, anger, greed, materialism, lust, uh, you know, whatever that is, unforgiveness inside of your heart, if that seed's been planted inside of you and you don't do something to address it and to get rid of that weed, it's going to grow up fast. And it's going to produce a lot more fruit inside of your life than you ever wanted it to. And the more seeds that it drops, the more it's going to grow inside of your life and the harder, that it gets to t harder it is to take care of it and to remove it from your life. So make sure that you are planting the word of God inside of you. And then the second thing you have to do is you have to hide the seed. Have you ever noticed that farmers, they don't just go out there in the old days, you know, it talks about they just kind of like cast the seed wherever. But one of the amazing things about modern farming is that we get a lot better return by putting the seed inside of the ground. If you really want something to grow, you don't just throw it on top of the ground. You purposely dig a hole and you place the seed inside of the dirt and then you cover it up. You hide that seed. And actually the word hide that David uses in that psalm, it actually means to plant or to cover something inside of your heart. David says, I'm not just going to take your word. I'm not just going to hear it. I'm not just going to listen to it or recite it every now and then. But I'm going to do something to take your words and to put them down deep inside of my heart and to cover them up in there so that I can allow the process of germination to occur inside of me. So that that seed of God's word can begin to establish deep roots down inside of me so it can begin to grow up and produce fruit inside of me. And that's not something that happens overnight. It's not something that's even going to happen in a week or two. But these seeds that you plant and that you hide inside of your heart will produce life. They will, in time, grow up through the surface, produce fruit, and it will begin to multiply inside of your life. But first, we have to take that seed and to hide it. Now, one of the things that was so hard for me 
uh, growing up because I wanted to have my life be built on God's word. I wanted to be changed by God's word, but I didn't really know a process to go about doing that. I just read through the Bible. I, I'd read very fast, and so I just blow through it and get my, you know, like, okay, check. I got my 10 chapters done today or whatever. I can't remember a thing that was said in any of it, but I got the reading done. For me, it was like I was taking the seed and just scattering it on the surface. Nothing was actually happening with it. And then I discovered this thing. Um, it's called soap journaling. And I want to show you guys this because it's a fantastic, easy, simple process for you guys to take what it is that you're reading and to really bury it inside of your heart. And so soap journaling is this. Is we have our reading plan, and if you guys need one of these reading plans, it's the New Testament in 24 weeks, so it's one to two chapters a day, which is a pretty easy reading load. But you'd go through and you would read it, and then in that chapter two that you read, you take just one verse or one section of that scripture, something that really stood out to you, and you write it down. You get a little journal, a pad of paper, whatever it is, and you take it and you write down the scripture that really spoke to you. And then you write down an observation about it. What was it about that scripture that spoke to you? What was it that God was revealing to you through this passage? And just write it out. Maybe it's just a couple of sentences. And then you go on to the application of it. How is it that you take what this scripture is saying and apply that to your life? What is it that you need to do in light of the observation that you have made about this scripture? And then the P is for prayer. What is it that you need to pray about to help to allow God to then do this inside of your life? So it's uh, scripture. What is the scripture that spoke to you? It's observation. What is it about this scripture that is striking you in a new way? It's application. It's what do I need to do now in light of this? And then it's a prayer. It's just praying that verse over your life. And actually on the back of the card, it has that written out for you guys so you can see it in a little sample area for you to do that. And so I'm just going to show you guys this week in the reading that we did, I'll just share with you what it was, like how I use this. So in Matthew 13, verse 44, it said this. In that day when I read Matthew 13, this is what really stuck out to me. It says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. That scripture came alive to me in a new way. And this is the observation that I wrote down. The kingdom of heaven is worth more than anything else in this life. We need to be willing to sacrifice absolutely everything to take hold of the fullness of God's kingdom. And this is the application for me. I need to devalue the things of this world and get a glimpse of just how valuable God's kingdom is. It's worth sacrificing every natural desire, inclination, and dream that I have in my life to take hold of what it is that God has for me. And then here's the prayer. God, show me how great and valuable your kingdom is. Let me see the true value and the worth of your kingdom so I will be willing to sacrifice absolutely everything to possess it. And what happened is by me just taking the time to write this out and to journal about it, it made it so that I was digging a hole in my heart and I was putting that scripture inside of me. And then I covered it back up. And this is what I did. For the rest of the day, I'll, sometimes I'll write it down in my old journal or on a three-by-five card or something like that, but I keep reviewing it throughout the day. 
I usually do my reading in the morning and then I'll take breaks from my work and I'll look at it, reread over this, meditate on that verse again, and then at lunchtime I'll reflect on it, meditate on it, dinner time, same thing, before I go to bed. I, you know, there's four, five, sometimes even more times during the day when I'm looking at what that passage had to say and what it was that God spoke to me. And that gets it down inside of my heart. It makes it so that it's not just me blowing through Scripture and not being changed by it or remembering what it said, but it makes it so every day there is one nugget, there's like one little gem that I find and that I bury inside of my heart. There's one seed every single day for my Scripture reading. And every, I never read through a chapter of Scripture and think there was absolutely nothing here that said anything at all to me. In every chapter, there's always something that strikes me. And usually there's a bunch of things, but I limit myself to saying, I'm just going to really focus on journaling on this one thing today. And even one of the things was just a couple days ago I was reading, it was talking about, uh, and this is such a discouraging one for a preacher, but Jesus just got done with the Sermon on the Mount. He's been teaching, you know, this beautiful, eloquent uh, ethics of the kingdom and all of that stuff. And the disciples are there hearing it for three years. They're sitting there hearing Jesus teach as good as anyone has ever taught on the kingdom of God. And then they get into the boat. Jesus says, go on, I'm going to pray and I'll catch up to you guys. A storm comes. Jesus walks out to them on the water. Peter gets out and walks on the water too. And then Jesus calms the storm. And you know what it says? It says, and then the disciples said, truly you are the son of the living God. You know why that's so discouraging to me as a preacher? Because Jesus has been preaching to these people this whole time. And there was nothing that he said that made them realize that he was God. But when they saw an encounter of God's power, then they realized, this is God. And that changed my life. I journaled that one. I buried it in my heart because it helps me know, no matter what I do as a teacher of the Bible, if it's not for the power and the encounter people have with God, all the teaching in the world won't change anybody's life. And so I prayed and I journaled, God, show me your power. I want to be changed by who you are. Don't let me just have knowledge of of, of your kingdom and its ethic, but God, I want to know your power so that I'm changed by it forever. And you guys will find things as you read your Bibles. Just read one chapter a day. Journal one of these things out. Put that inside of your heart. And then this is what's going to happen, is then we have to allow the Holy Spirit to grow that seed. There are some times when God just, there's immediate fruit that's born in your life when you hear something, but for the most part, you bury that seed and you allow it to germinate, you allow it to grow and in due season, it produces fruit inside of you. This is what Jesus, who's been teaching, just dropping seeds all over his disciples for three years, and he says this to them, uh, talking about after he is gone from the earth, he says, but when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything, and he will remind you of everything I have told you. See, what's going to happen is these seeds that you're depositing inside of your heart that you're burying there, in time, the Holy Spirit is going to grow these things inside of you and he's going to remind you of these things. That's for the most part what being a pastor is for me. My job is I remember I had a vision 15 years ago for what it was that I wanted to do with my life. And I knew that if I was going to walk into the fullness of that vision, that I needed to start burying God's word inside of my heart so that I could start being changed, that there would be overflow of godly character inside of me, so that I could do great things for God as the overflow of my life. And I started burying and planting these seeds in my heart. And in due season, they started to bear fruit. And here's what happens. When I'm meeting with people, and you know we're doing just like meeting and talking what's going on in life, 
what happens is the Holy Spirit starts reminding me of these things that I had heard. He starts bringing to remembrance the things that I had hidden inside of my heart. They begin to bear fruit, and other people are blessed by that. And even as I'm preparing messages, all the people say, how long does it take to write a sermon? <laughs> a lifetime. Amen. And hopefully in 30 years, my sermons are a whole lot better because I have 30 years more of lifetime to use Amen. to write them. Amen. Whatever ministry it is that you're doing, raising your children, ministering to your spouse, teaching, preaching, caring for kids in the children's ministry, greeting people at the door, being a prayer partner, going out on the streets and telling people of Jesus' love for them. Whatever it is that you're doing, the only way you're going to be effective in that is because there's going to be the Holy Spirit reminding you of the things that God has already spoken to you. It's going to be because there's been God's word that's been established inside of you, that's put down roots, that's poked up through the ground, and it's borne fruit inside of you, and now other people are being blessed because of that. That's the only way that it happens. I'll just think about this with me for a minute. What would happen if every single day for the next year you found one, you said, I'm going to read my Bible and I'm going to journal out. I'm going to hide one seed from God inside of my heart. That would be 365 seeds that you've buried inside of you. That's a lot. 365 scriptures that you've been meditating on, that you've been storing up inside of you. What if you did that for a decade? I don't know how many leap years there would be in there too, I guess, so 3,000, <laughs> over 3,500. 3,652, I think. Seeds that you've planted in one decade. What kind of fruit would be born in your life if you did that? What kind of godly character and godly overflow would happen if just every day you were saying, God, I want to store your word inside of my heart so that I can reach the fulfillment of the vision that you've put on side of me. So here's the thing. Do you think we can try it for one week? Do you think for this one week we can commit to say, I'm going to grab this reading plan and maybe you'd be starting on day one or maybe you stopped on day three or wherever you are, but say, I'm going to read a chapter or two every single day, not just blow through it, but really just carefully read through it. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you, to highlight a verse for you, and then to journal that out as a way of hiding it inside of your heart. Let's just do that for one week. Let's see how it goes and see what it is that God does to you in this one week and see how he begins to bring scripture alive to you. Because I know that for me, everything that I'm seeing God do inside of me is because I've chosen to plant his seed inside of my heart and allow the Holy Spirit to bring it to life inside of me and allow the Holy Spirit to make it fruitful. And if we as a church all get hold of that kind of vision for our lives inside of this church and outside of these four walls, when we're in the area where God has given us influence amongst people who so desperately need the fruit of God inside of their lives, it wouldn't just change Radiant Church. It wouldn't just change you or your family. It would change our city. And we would never be the same. We'd be living out like the church did in the New Testament that we all want to be like. So let's do this one week. Hide God's word inside of your heart. Would you guys stand with me this morning? And maybe this morning, what you need to do is the first seed you need to hide inside of your heart is in John chapter 3, where it says that God loved you so much that Jesus came down, he gave up the glory of heaven, and he went to the cross so that he could take your sins upon himself 
removing them completely from you, all of your guilt, your shame, your condemnation, taking all of that away from you so that you could have your relationship to the Heavenly Father restored. Maybe that's the first one that you need to bury in your heart. I was sharing the gospel with uh, a young woman this week, and she said, I understand, you know, the means of salvation and all that stuff, but what I don't understand is why does God love me? And this is what I told her. I said, you're his daughter. You can't explain why other than to say that you're his child. And maybe that's the seed you need to have deposited inside of your heart. Is that God loves you unconditionally more than you could ever imagine because you're his son, because you're his daughter, and he would go through any lengths, he would go through any suffering, whatever it took, and he did do that on the cross so that you could have your relationship restored, so that you could be someone who's a part of his own family, so that you could have new life inside of you. And if that's bearing fruit in your life right now, and you're saying, that's what I want, and this is all you have to do, you have to say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins, from this day forward, I follow you. I believe that you died on the cross to forgive my sins. I believe that you rose from the grave so that I could have new life. And I ask that you would send your Holy Spirit to me to lead me and to guide me into all truth, to make me a son, to make me a daughter. From this day forward, I follow you. Would you reveal yourself to me this morning? Would you speak to me? The scripture says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you will be saved. And that relationship will start and it will be just the beginning for you. Just the beginning of leading you into the fullness of all that God has for you. So God, we pray this morning that you do something new inside of our hearts. God, thank you for your love. Thank you for your affection. Thank you for the cross, Jesus, that you would go to lay your life down in our place so that we could have life, God so that we could know you, so we could be transformed and changed. Jesus, we pray this morning over every person that there would be newness and fresh revelation of your love, God. That the eyes of our heart would be opened up to see how great, how wide, how deep is your love for us. And God, that there would be repentance stirred up inside of our hearts because of how good you are. Jesus, that we would have the ability and the will stirred up inside of us to live a life that's pleasing to you. God, we pray that as we hide your word inside of our hearts, God, that you would truly bring life to it. Father, that it would bear fruit, that we would be changed, that we'd have a godly character and a godly nature, that we would do great things in your kingdom because of how greatly you have moved in every one of us. Jesus, our lives for your glory, our lives for your honor, our lives for your kingdom. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.